Let me share with you, we are in a season, this whole year is a season of joy, amen? And so we're going to talk about joy. This week, God just really struck me on the fact that every time you see the word joy in Scripture, you see shouting. It seems to go together. You know, joy is such an overwhelming experience that it demands something of you. Does this make sense? We're few, but somebody's got to say amen. Somebody's got to talk back to me, okay? I got to know you're engaged with me, all right? So joy is such an overwhelming experience. It demands, it demands a byproduct, a fruit. It is such an overwhelming part of the fruit of God. Now, if I was speaking to you on the fruit of God's peace, we could just settle in and and there's just that, that, that demands a response of just, ah. But joy demands another response. The joy of the Spirit, right, is our what? Strength. It has an impact on us. And it has a strength that commands a shout. So throughout Scripture, and I'm going to have you read some Scripture tonight, but throughout Scripture we're going to see that accompanied with joy is always a shout. Well, not, you know, in Scripture, but it's not always just... If I feel joyful, I have to shout. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying with that attitude, it demands something from us. A shout commands attention. When, when somebody shouts, what does everybody do? What's going on, right? So it demands attention. That's why shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents. There's joy in those tents. There's victory. Something has happened that has evoked a response. And so joy demands something from us. And so if this is going to be a season of joy, there should be a whole lot of shouting going on. All right? Now, there's people who shout all the time. Now, uh, for example, uh, uh, let's take a look at this picture, right? All right. Is this a football game? Could be, right? Is this a soccer game? There'd probably be more blood if it were. So, uh, is this a hockey game? Why not? (laughs) No, definitely not hockey. (laughs) Can't be hockey. What? What? So what? You don't see? That's the St. Clair Shores Arena right there. You know, it's warm in it. No? Okay. Nobody says it's hockey. All right. Is that um, a graduation ceremony? All right, let me rephrase this. You're all like, it's not, no, that is not. Could this be, could this be a graduation ceremony? Yes. Could this be a gubernatorial race election that your candidate won? Yes. Could this be a NASCAR race? Okay. Could this be a worship service? Yes. Oh, you all got excited on that. What's the difference between all of these? See, it's the same. We see it all the time. Different kinds of joy, different kinds of level, different reasons for the joy. But something here evoked something here in that simple of a form, right? And so joy... And a shout commands attention. A shout is prophetic and faith-building. A shout calls things out 
that were not as if they are. A shout demonstrates enthusiasm, confidence, determination. A shout releases energy, boldness, passion. A shout changes the atmosphere. When there's shouting going on, there's either celebration or there's anger. Have you ever seen people angry? Why do people raise their voices when they're angry? To intimidate? To overpower? So would you say that there's power in shouting? Right? So it releases a power and a function. So there's a reason to shout. Now, let's, I'm, I'm just kind of helping you understand shouting. Can, can there be shouting in churches? Depends on the denomination. So I grew up in a Presbyterian church. You don't shout in a Presbyterian church. All right, they'll freak out. They'll think fire, right? So um, there's, there's times and places to shout. It would be annoying if the move of God came and there's just a, a, a settled peace and there's a holy reverence moving to where someone just stands up and starts shouting crazy. That's out of order from what the Spirit of God's doing in our midst. But there might be something that evokes some joy and some laughter and someone says, man, a God touched my life. And all of a sudden, right? We move and flow together. I'm not proposing that everybody in this church at any time you want just start screaming your head off. But I am talking about a biblical form of worship that is commanded by God. If you've never shouted, see, we bought this building and we decorated it and made it look like a church so that you could come to it and shout for joy. Because if you're in the middle of work and at your computer and you stand up and go, Hallelujah, praise Jesus! <laughs> that will seem really odd to your coworkers. Right? But here, you can do that. So we're going to look at the biblical precept of shouts of joy. There are more than this, but I've listed four Hebrew words for shouting. Shout is a conviction and a power. Teruah is a war cry or a bellow. What do I mean by bellow? Comes out of your gut. Ah! Right? You ever see movies... Uh, where warriors, when they're ready to f charge against an enemy, what do they do? Scream. Scream. They yell. Ah, what's the point? Intimidate. Scare. When does a lion roar? Yeah, when he wants to terrify his prey. All right? Female lions, they come around and they carefully and strategically hone in on the thing. But when the, when the male lion comes in, and he gives a roar. I forget who I was talking to. Someone was talking to, and they were at a game reserve, and they, they uh, or the zoo, I can't remember this, and they came by the lion, and the lion just belted one loose, and it freaked them out because it, it was so loud, and it, you know, it reverberated in them. This thing was in a cage, and, far, and they were like, ah! So that's what a shout can do to your enemy. That's what a shout can do to your enemy when you shout at the enemy. It's a war cry. 
So when the people of God in the Old Testament, when they went to war, they would shout. They would bellow. And it would also stir their emotion. Is there anything wrong with stirring your own self up? No. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. Who's David talking to? Himself. And so there are times we have to tell ourselves, let loose. Come on, let's shout. And there's times you get to bellow out the praise of God. Ruah means shout with applause. How do you shout with applause? You clap and shout. Has anybody ever done that? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, 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 right? Again, sporting events. We have, isn't it funny? How about concerts? You ever been to concerts? People shout and scream, right? All the time. This is a natural thing, a natural phenomenon that God put in us to cause and evoke emotion and to cause response. But for some reason, when we get in church, everybody goes, well, oh, I don't know. I'm really shy. It's like, this isn't about shy. This isn't about um, extrovert, introvert. It's not about that at all. It's about the activity of warfare and praise. It is something that is biblical that you need to enter into. So if if you can't do it in the church, I, I would pray at home when you're alone. Get some shouting done. Amen? Get some shouting done and somebody shout at the devil. Amen? All right, so shout and applause. Um, There are times when the Spirit of God's moving in this place and we're worshiping God and and all of a sudden we break out in applause and, and, and shouting. And that's just a natural reaction of overflow. Ana means to shout and sing together by course. So what does it mean to sing and shout? And I thought about that for a minute. And, and, and so what that would mean, ana, would be like a chant. Have you ever been in a place where they shout out a chant? Help me think of one. There you go, yeah, cheerleaders. What else? Defense, 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 right? I mean, everybody, you ever get where everybody begins to chant, chant, right? That's another form. What's Yeah, yeah. Right? So we can get to a place where we're all in unison, chanting out, doom, doom, a declaration. Okay? That's another form of Hebrew worship and shouting. He goes on, last one, Renan means to give a ringing cry. After that, there you go. Anybody been from a culture or hear that before in your culture? So in culture, shouting is a normal, normal activity. So that I love that kind of thing. <laughs> Have you heard it before? What's up? That's what you used to do. Tell us about it. Where are you from? Zambia. And so what would happen? Yeah. When the women are leading worship. Okay. So it's celebratory. That is extremely biblical, all right? So now, I'm not saying, okay, everybody, let's do that, but I don't mind if we do. And I would love to to see that kind of expression. See, it is a normal part of expression. And what has happened is, so dominated by our culture as to how we should respond to God. And we need to get our cues from the Word of God. Where again, if... Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones 
uh, walks and flops around on stage and everybody's screaming and everybody goes, all right, all right, making hands. That's good. But when the preacher gets up there and starts speaking about Jesus and calling things out in the Lord and everybody's going, yeah, 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 people go, that's a cult. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So shouts and joy go together. These are the kind of shouts. And it depends on the circumstance. Everything, I loved this quote uh, I heard today. Um, Everything that has great power is accompanied by a great sound. All right? So I went, uh, I flew uh, out of an airport uh, a couple weeks ago, and as I'm watching the planes come in, how many of you know planes can be really loud, yeah. right? So as the planes are coming in, I noticed that the air traffic guys who have the flashlights with the orange things and they're driving, they all have earmuffs on. Yeah. Sound control. Why? It's so loud, it emits a loud noise. Something great in power typically emits loud noises that can do damage. Right on. Right on. So when Jesus uh, released the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the first thing that showed up was what? Sound. Sound. Now, I heard it in the back. Someone said a mighty rushing wind. Was there wind? Ah. See, they weren't in the upper room and all of a sudden it's going, (laughs) hairs blowing back and wind just gusts through and birds go, plastered against the wall and leaves are going everywhere. Right? That's how we read it. As a mighty rushing wind came in like that. No, it says the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Who made that sound? The Holy Spirit. When something with great power moves, it has great sound. Mighty rushing wind. Something with great power is accompanied with great sound. So what I would encourage you is this, that as you are increasing in your level of glory, everyone here is increasing in their level of glory. Paul says from glory to glory with ever increasing glory we behold his face the more we spend time in his face the more we spend time with jesus there's an ever increasing glory that is reflecting on us so as you're increasing your glory your power is increasing against the enemy and if you are gaining greater power i would encourage you to say that you have greater force to release And so we need to speak with authority. Some of you are acting like victims all the time. 
And you need to get on the offensive, not the defensive. That's what Jesus meant when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. It's not that they're coming against us. The gates of hell are shoal in the grave. And the church is forcing its way against that. You can't kill us. We won't die. You getting this? So we press against the gates of hell and death because it doesn't scare me. So the level of glory is I will shout at an enemy. I will advance against an enemy. I will not retreat. And I'm tired of being his victim. So I will shout against the enemy. You shout when you have confidence. Now, there are shouts for battle, a battle cry. There are shouts of regret. Oh, no, no, no. There are shouts of lament. And then there are shouts of joy. Specifically in Scripture, you'll see it over and over and over, shouts of joy. So in a unique category, a specific category, joy is to be powerful and it is to release something in God's people. Amen? It's not about just being happy and blessed. Joy enters in. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that has power for you to release. So joy is not just for you to enjoy and have. It is an unction for you to release. Joy is an unction for you to release. Somebody write that down. Start the printing press. Make bumper stickers. Put your t-shirt on. Joy is an unction to release. Everybody say it with me. Yeah. It's something to release. It's got to produce something out of you. Amen? Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents. The word resound means to echo, to multiply in the tents of the righteous. And the Lord's right hand has done mighty things for us. This is Psalm 118, uh, verse 15, which is interesting. It's part of the Hallel, which was spoken on the night of Passover. All right, it means to praise God. And so the halal was recited. That, that is in fact what Jesus spoke and sang as a hymn when he was finishing the Last Supper and said, one of you is going to betray me. Let's go to the garden to pray. He was singing Psalm 118. Shouts of joy shall resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. That's prophetic. Who is the Lord's right hand? The right hand is the saving arm of God. In Isaiah, he said, I found no intercessor for man, so I made bare my right arm. He exposed his right arm. He exposed his nature and his being through Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the right hand of God. He is the right arm, the saving arm of God. He has done, the, right, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things for us. Where did Jesus ascend to after the resurrection? The right hand of God. He's the Lord's right hand. So when you're shouting, you're shouting the victory and praise of the Lord's right hand. When you have shouts of joy, you're releasing that unction and power of what Christ has done for you on the cross through the resurrection and in his ascension at the right hand of God, you're shouting the power and the authority of the throne of God. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Thank you. 
Amen. Read Psalm 150. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let there be praise on the high cymbals. Let there be praise on the trumpets. Let there be praise on the tambourines. Let there be praise. He's just making an inventory of every instrument he could find. Somebody get me an instrument. Get the accordion. Let there be praise on the accordion. Let there be praise on everything. Let there be praise on the lips. He's just calling everything into the power of praise. Into the power of an anointing of praise. Psalm 100, you need to read it. Psalm 98, this is your homework. Make a joyful noise. That's the English polite way of saying, shout! Okay? Because everybody says, well, and I'm not really a good singer. This is a noise. So it's not necessarily on pitch. Make a joyful noise. This is a shout of joy. It was commanded in the Old Testament. When the high priest or when the king would say shouts of joy, everybody, you know, they shouted for joy. It was just the same as saying amen or anything else. There needs to be a shout of joy. You're releasing power. Now, as they entered into the promised land, and hit me tonight with that prophetic word that I'm giving you, I'm entering you into the promised land. Amen? And, and what struck me by the Holy Spirit is that there's a new promised land. There's a new promised land. The promised land isn't the physical ground of Canaan, right? Where Abraham walked and all that, that's the promised land that the Old Testament went into. We have a new promised land. That is that every promise of God is now ours to take. And so we have to do exploits and do great battle. I find it interesting that on the first Fat fight and battle that they went into the promised land. As they went into this promised land, the first city they came to was Jericho. Right? And God wanted them to win that battle, but he wanted them to win that. Now, he had trained them how to fight for war. They go on and fight many battles and many wars. But on this one, he wanted them to know that God gave them the victory. And he wanted them to know that it did. they had to participate in it. Have you ever found yourself, God is telling you to participate, and you're like, why, this is dumb. Why should I have to do that? If you're paying attention to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you to go over to someone, oh, do I have to? You know, or the Lord is telling you, give him $3.50. I'll give him a five. No, I told you, give him three fifty. You know, God's very specific because then you go over there and you give them 350 and it's like exactly what they had prayed for. They prayed for specifically 350. Okay, so you have to be obedient. Now, God calls us to obedience and the first thing he did at Jericho is he wanted to engage them in this activity. He wanted them to know he would do the battle, but he needed them to march around. Every day, march one time with your mouth shut. Don't say anything. That's a miracle. A miracle. Men and women. I, I didn't say nothing. Walking around Jericho. I don't know how many square miles that was. For seven days, right? So, so one day they walk around, they go back. And Jericho's like, what is this? So next day comes, uh-oh, they're, they're rallying. They're rallying. Everybody get ready. Get your crossbows. Get your arrows. What are they doing? They're walking. Okay. They're not singing. They're not doing it. Just walk around. Silence. Seventh day, they're to do it seven times. 
But on the seventh time, what are they supposed to do? Shout. Shout. Let me ask you. I'll tell you what kind of shout I really think it was. I think it was a shout like, we're all going to die anyway. And I don't know what's going to happen. Have you ever done anything where you're scared to death but you're going to go do it and so you just go, ah! And you do that. Or, or maybe, maybe you all thought that they all had this enormous faith and they all knew when we shout, these walls are going to fall down. I don't think they had that in mind at all as they're looking up to these walls which three chariots could ride across. That's how wide and these walls were around Jericho. That many stories high. Do you really think... I mean, God didn't tell them I'm going to make the walls collapse. They, he just said, shout. So maybe they thought something would come from heaven or whatever. But here we go. We're going for broke. Ah! And everybody shouts. And all of a sudden, what happens? The walls come down. Now, could you imagine being there when the walls start crumbling and everything's rumbling, smoke is rising, do you think you would have stopped shouting? No, man. Now it's a real shout. Now it's like, what? Oh, this is crazy. God, you're awesome. I bet they just kept shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting, right? And the warriors are going like, ah, and they're flooding in. My gosh. And what our problem is, is we don't see any of that activity in the spirit realm. We're sitting here in plush green chairs with some lighting and some music and a guy that's talking, and we don't see the dynamic of the warfare in the heavenlies going on. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness. And I don't have the ability to fight them other than a weapon God gave me, and that's my mouth to shout the authority of Jesus Christ against them. This is essential. And I harp on this all the time, that you have to speak. You have to speak. It's not because I'm insecure and I need you to say something so I'll feel better about myself. I'm trying to get you to win some battles here. I'm trying to get you engaged in a warfare that you have got to speak out. You've got to shout down the enemy. It causes you to stand and to fight into a realm you can't see. So your weapon are sound vibrations. It's the only thing that passes from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. Are you getting this? The only thing that transfers into a spirit realm is that everything, everything moves by vibration of sound. And so you are able in the physical realm to transcend into the spirit realm by your voice, by your speaking. It has power to break the enemy. So let me conclude with this, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 15 and 16. Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking specifically about speaking in tongues. Uh, as a prayer language, different than speaking in tongues for the congregation to hear and it having an interpretation. Because if you speak in tongues and there's an interpretation, it becomes the same as 
prophecy, which is speaking in the known language under the unction of God for everyone to be edified. You with me? So there's two categories here. Those of the prophetic gift, which is tongues and interpretation, which not everybody has, and prophecy to speak out in the known language everybody has knows, but not everybody has these two gifts, but they're available. And then there is praying in the Spirit in tongues, which is available to everyone. It's not a spiritual gift. Uh, it is a freebie. Download the app. You'll get it free. Okay? Uh, that was a joke, okay? But download it. It's free. It's there. It's for you. It's begin to pray in tongues. Begin to speak in tongues and pray as the Spirit gives utterance, okay? So in the midst of that, what's the point of it? Well, the body's being edified. But he says when you're praying in the Spirit, what happens is you're speaking mysteries between you and God. Something's going on in the Spirit realm that he's engaging you in. Now in the middle of that, he says this. Well, what am I supposed to do then? He says this, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind. Okay? So in other words, I'll pray under my own cognitive reasoning, speaking in my English language that I know or whatever language you're from, right? And I will pray in the spirit. I will do both. And he wills it. You don't have to wait for the Spirit of God to come on you and to get a liver shiver and two fast songs and one slow one and now you can engage. I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with understanding. Just get this thing moving. Okay? He says that's what he's going to do. Then he goes on and he says this. I will sing praise with my spirit. I will sing with my mind also. So there's spiritual praise that you're singing in the Spirit. And you're singing songs that you understand with your mind as well. Both. Okay? So, interestingly enough, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, there are four things that you can be doing to manifest the power of God. One is to pray with your reasoning in your mind. The other is to sing with your reasoning in your mind. Then there's also to pray in the Holy Spirit in tongues and to sing in the Spirit with tongues. And to flow in and out of that. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. He says, go for it. But in the assembly, when everybody's together, he says this. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, what do you mean speaking in tongues? How can anyone in a position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? So the tongues, praying in tongues... Now, if it was the gift of tongues, there's an interpretation for that. People would know what was said. So he's talking about praying in tongues, your prayer language. He's saying in the assembly, keep it to yourself and God. Pray in tongues to him and everything. But don't blurt it out over everyone else. Because, and here's the key, he says, no one will be able to say what? Amen to what you're saying. That verse is tucked away and a lot of people don't pay any attention to it, but what is it actually instructing the congregation to do when something's spoken in the church? Say it again. Say it again. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's what Paul is instructing. There should be an amen when I hear a public statement. There should be an amen. Why? Why? Glad you asked. 
Close with this verse, 2 Corinthians 1.20. One of my favorite verses of all time. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. Depends on your translation. I'm going to give you the translation I remember. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. Why? Why? Why are all the promises that God has made, in fact, they're written down here. It's called the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament was was downloaded in the life of Israel and Abraham as promises. If you will do this, I will do that. If you will do this, I will do that. If you will repent of your sins, I will do this. I'll give you the land. I'll make you a king. I'll do this. All the promises. All the promises. All the promises are his will and testament. The writer of Hebrews talks about this. This is the, the other word for testament is covenant. All right? Or testament, will. So the Father wrote his will for the planet Earth. Here it is. It was lived out in Israel. He wrote his will. Now, as the writer of Hebrews says, you cannot execute a will till the author, what? dies Jesus God with us came went on the cross and what did he do died the minute Jesus died the will that the father had written has now been activated so every promise that God has ever made is yes in Christ Jesus the reason it's yes and not no the reason it's yes is because he met the payment for the penalty of sin. He paid the price, therefore he died, therefore the will is now enacted, and the executor of that will is the Holy Spirit. So every promise God has ever made is yes in Christ Jesus. That's your promised land. There's entrance to the promised land. Every promise God made, you now have promise into that promised land. But you're not trudging through sand, killing Canaanites. You're praying in the Spirit, breaking the power of demons. You're warring like Joshua and crying out that the walls of the enemy around your family will come down. This is the promised land. You're walking into that promised land and you're declaring it. But wait, we're not done with that verse yet. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus, continue, through the amen. Through the amen. In fact, the ESV says this, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God. So all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus, but they are not activated or brought into you until the church says amen. You can't go stand outside of your bank. You can't even stand in the vestibule of your bank. You can't even stand in front of the teller of the bank and wait for her to give you cash. You gotta draw. You gotta withdraw. You gotta do it. So you gotta get your amen ticket out and write amen on it and put it, and she'll give you what you ask for because everything in that account is yours. 
You with me? So we have got to, so often we're going, God, do something. God, do something. God, make it happen. I'm asking, make it happen. But when have you made a so be it? When have you claimed a promise and declared it against the enemy? When have you withdrawn it from your account in heaven and called it out into the earth in Jesus' name? That's what's supposed to be happening when the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, the ecclesia, the called out authority of God's kingdom, that's you, that's the church, when we gather together here, we're not gathering together here just so you can get a thrill. We're gathered together here for the will of God to be executed in the earth, and we need people to say amen, amen, and amen. And Paul is so serious about this, he says, look at great you're speaking in tongues, that's with you and Jesus, but I need to hear something because I need to amen it into the earth. So tonight, while we were worshiping, there were some of you up here, God was saying, there's breakthrough, pray through, keep praying, keep praying, push, 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 and you were accessing, you were amening that promise into being. You were withdrawing it from heaven into reality. Amen? Amen. So we are a people who must always be saying amen. When you agree with something, don't just a mental assent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's you responding to it. Would you please bring it into existence by calling an amen into that thing and saying, so be it, Lord. That's what amen means. So be it. So be it. Amen and amen. That's what we're calling for tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so shouts of joy are calling for the kingdom of God to break into the kingdom of earth. 